Blog Talk Radio. You heard of the quiet storm. Now be ready for the thunderstorm. It's a show where we can't be quiet. Discussing world affairs from the Christian hip hop perspective. That's right, the Christian hip hop perspective. With your host, Christian hip hop artist and sports blogger, GQ Forever. So turn up your radio. You are now listening to The Thunderstorm. Are you ready? This has only happened 43 times in the history of existence. In the history of your blackness, in the history of your existence, in the history of mankind, there have only been 43 episodes of Thunderstorm Sports. We're back. And somewhere there's a WWE fan that says, is that D-Generation X I'm listening to? Yes, it is. Guess what? Thunderstorm Sports is back, man. 6.31 p.m. officially on the East Coast, 4.22.18. I'm your host, GQ Spell, just like it sounds, my co-pilots for the night. My man, DC, and my man, Trail. Uh-oh. To quote my late uncle, one of the wisest men I ever met in my entire life, but also sometimes one of the countryest men I've ever met in my entire life. I just got a quote up on this one, man. Good Google Mooga. It's about to be epic. Like the page on Facebook, the Thunderstorm Hip Hop Sports and Entertainment Network. Follow us on Twitter at Storm Sports Six Six at Storm Radio Six Six. Follow me and the Great Riders of ITI on Fan Sites Network of well over three hundred sites. We rep the NFL division. We rep the world champion Philadelphia Eagles. ITI Inside the Eagles. Follow us on Twitter at Inside Eagles. Like the Inside the Eagles page on Facebook. The number, 602-753-1759. Email us, thunderstormradio66 at gmail.com. Thunderstormsports66 at gmail.com. Bookmark. Listen to new classic episodes on iTunes. Tune in. Stitcher. I think at some point I'm going to take over our radio as well. Simulcast right now, Blog Talk Radio, sending out recruitment letters. Capone DeLeo, the man who authored the Thunderstorm intro. The fans have spoken. You're being recruited. They want their very own intro for the Thunderstorm Sports Show. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is about to be the widest two hours of your entire life. You already know how I get down. Got my co-host with me. Subscribe to the new and improved Thunderstorm blog on Blogspot and WordPress. I left out on the page on Facebook. Like my page on Facebook, Jeffrey Knox, editor, sports writer, journalist. And make sure you bookmark GQ forever. GQ underscore the number four underscore EVA for the uninitiated. I'm getting down with the tools of DX. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible WrestleMania on the last go-around, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Thunderstorm Sports. 
horrible, horrible WrestleMania. I saw something with a dude from Japan I've never seen before in my entire life. Uh, he comes to the to the ring via a bunch of strings, violins, things of that nature. Never seen this dude before, but he took on the incomparable AJ Styles in one of the main events. Probably should have been the main event if you saw that trash that was Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. The WWE has been trying a long time to get us interested in something, and they suffer from the fact that they can't make new stars. They can recruit stars from other networks and other wrestling venues and other wrestling uh, organizations. Uh, they jacked AJ Styles from that that stuff they do with the with the uh, what is it? Is it like an octagon? I think it is. Impact. That's what it is. Impact has to be one of the worst products I've ever seen in my entire life, but they've actually put out some pretty decent stars. They robbed the WWE of some of their stars. Uh, they bought them. They sent them back. But uh, Impact did give them AJ Styles, who I think is one of the bright young stars of wrestling. Um, the WWE is at a crossroads right now because they can't create new stars, so they keep bringing back old ones. Uh, I, I can give it to Randy Orton to some extent. I can give it to, um, gosh, I really can't give it to anybody else. Randy Orton, AJ Styles, I think that's just about it for me. Of course we like yeah, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is going to, yeah, I, of course we like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is the man. I really like Brock a lot. But um, Brock's one of the real athletes in WWE who uh, pretty much works part-time. I always thought John Cena was a little corny. But here we are in a situation now where we have, I think I watched WrestleMania in D.C. I think this thing went on for about five hours, man. Strange as it sounds, what ended up happening was they put Roman Reigns, who they've been trying to make a start out the entire life, and the, the WWE universe continues to rebuke him. Uh, demonize him, boo him at every chance. They just can't stand this guy. And you're just not going to force feed them and tell them that we're supposed to like somebody that we just don't like. He had no talent. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, the main event at WrestleMania, if you saw that mess, I think it was about a week ago now, and probably one of the worst wrestling main events I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Clearly, by mile and a long margin, the worst wrestling main event I've ever seen in the history of the WWE, or if you're a little bit older, the WWF. Um, AJ Styles took on some dude whose name escapes me from Japan. That was the match that preceded that one. That was actually wildly entertaining. But other than the AJ Styles match, I really don't see anything to get hyped up about about the last WWE. So there you are for those of y'all who say we don't talk wrestling, and we don't. I gave you a little wrestling here tonight on Thunderstorm Sports. And we've gone back and forth, man, because truly, to tell you the truth, the Thunderstorm audience really only cares about the NFL. More about that a little later. I told you all a long time ago that the NFL is much better than pro basketball. The NFL will be much more interesting than the NBA for as long as it exists. The NBA has gotten quite sour on me. It's gotten quite, gotten quite aggravating. It's full of too many divas. And honestly, the NBA was really more interesting when we knew Jordan was going to win it every year. They need something along the lines of what the NFL has. Villains, bad guys, teams we don't like. I'm not going to get too much into it because we're going to talk about that a little later, but there's clearly one thing that reigns supreme in the sports entertainment world, and that's the NFL. 
the NBA might be second, but it's a distant second. It's not even close. We started to call this show Thunderstorm NFL because that's all our audience wants to talk about anyway. Baseball is underway. The NBA is in the playoffs. And you know what I guess and I host and I take everybody wants to talk about? Take one guess, D.C. Football? <laughs> That's all they talk about. Out. That's all they want to talk about. That's all that we're going to talk about probably tonight. Uh, we we might talk a little bit of playoff basketball, but all the emails, all, all anyone's ever sent me um, for the last month, all everybody wants to inbox me about, everybody wants to hit me up on Twitter, and all they want to talk about is what's going on with football. Baseball, the regular season is officially underway and almost three weeks into it. The NFL is well within their second season. The NBA playoffs, another one of their problems. The playoffs have become a season now. Basketball just concluded from the college ranks. We crowned another champion, and it's Villanova. And even though there's no football around, the draft is about five days away now. All anyone wants to talk about, excuse me, Four days away, April 26th. So the draft is four days away, and all anyone wants to talk about is football. Everybody's still in their off-season workout program. You can't even do any football activities. All they're doing is strength and conditioning, and this has everybody on its ear. Why? Because football is the only thing in this country that matters. I'm excited about the NBA playoffs because the Sixers are good a year. But I can't tell you what's going on outside of their series. I don't really care. Do we need a first round, a quarterfinal round, a conference final round, and an NBA finals to determine who the best four teams are? We already know that. We know the Pelicans don't have a shot. <laughs> you knew back in March that Milwaukee wasn't going anywhere. You know Toronto had no chance of raising the banner at the end of the season? You knew all this. Does anybody really, really, and truly believe Oklahoma City has any type of shot to win the whole thing? You didn't believe that last year. You don't believe that this year. And we don't have to put them in the playoffs to realize that they don't matter. Yeah, you might get a good game here and there. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament where you have all this really cool stuff that's going on. The NCAA tournament goes on and on and on with more than 64 teams now just to get to the Final Four. And how does it always end up, D.C.? It's the four best teams that we knew were the best teams all year. I guess you refer to Cass and Warriors. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I'm sitting here looking at it as we're sitting here talking about it. I don't think the Cavs are the best team in the East anymore. I don't think they got the first round. Now, that's going to cause some controversy. LeBron James, regardless of what he does now, is the second best player in the history of this game. But LeBron James, regardless of what he does, has cemented his place as the second best player in the history of the NBA. He'll never be the best. That belongs to Jordan. And I'm telling you that as a Duke fan. Jordan is the best basketball player in the history of the NBA. LeBron could slip the third because someone would tell you that number two was actually Magic Johnson. But 16 years, 
long playoff series. What is it, seven straight finals now? Is it seven or six? I want to say I want to say seven. I may be wrong. I want to say seven. Seven straight finals appearances. And here we are. Don't ask me because I don't know. I, I could care less. It's the NBA. It's not the NFL. <laughs> it takes a toll on the body after a while. You have to win seven games to get to the next round. Actually, four out of seven. Then you have to win four out of seven to get to the next round. And four out of seven to get to the next round. And finally, <laughs> after you do all that, we get to the NBA Finals. So chronologically, LeBron James may have played about 16 years of NFL of, of NBA basketball. See, my, my mouth wants me to only talk about the NFL. LeBron <laughs> James may have only played 16 years of NBA basketball, but what's truly amazing about it is when you actually add up all the basketball he's actually played, he's actually played about 25 years. Game two, he gave it everything he had. And in Cleveland's first victory in the series, he gave it everything he had. And they won by three points. And now there's no Kevin Love. Ladies and gentlemen, I love LeBron James. Anybody that knows me would tell you that, but it's over. The streak of consecutive finals appearances is over. It's done. That's it. It's over. <laughs> Put a fork in him. He's done. Cleveland's going nowhere. There will be a new representative in the Eastern Conference Finals. It will not be LeBron James. Welcome to Thunderstone Sports. My co-pilot, D.C., how was your week? My week was great, man. Um, I mean, whew, you came kind of hard, these LeBron fans, you know. It is what it is, man. Cleveland's not going anywhere. Hey, you know you're going to get a lot of backlash for that, right? It's facts or facts. <laughs> I've been writing sports. I've been writing sports for the last five years of my life. I have a press pass. I have insiders, and I have two eyes that I very well trust. Cleveland is not going anywhere. The run is over. Write it down. Memorize it. Say whatever it is you want to say. Indiana's up 2-1. Cleveland has one victory in the series. LeBron gave it everything he had. He had to be superhuman, and they won by three. And now Kevin Love is gone. It is over, ladies and gentlemen. He has gotten old. Why? Because the NFL eats its young, it destroys its stars, and here we are now in a situation where after 16 years of professional basketball, we have a LeBron James who has chronologically played 25 years of professional basketball because the playoffs has become a a season unto itself. In a league with 30 teams, 16 of those teams make the playoffs. You know how ridiculous that is for a sport? (laughs) More than half of the teams in the sport make the playoffs. In the NFL, you have a number one seed and a number two seed in both conferences. They get the first week off. 
They play the number one seed will play the lowest seeded seed that advances in a one wild card game. The number two seed will see will play the higher seeded team that advances. Twelve teams out of a thirty two team league make the playoffs. Everything's one and done. You win or lose the wild card, your season advances or it's over. You win or lose the divisional round, you advance or it's over. You get to the conference championship, you advance or it's over. It's one game for the Super Bowl. Not a best of seven series. <laughs> Not the best two out of three. <laughs> Not you won. Let's play tomorrow see what happens again. One and done. And it's exhilarating. You win today or it's over. In baseball, you have a wild card. You claim the pennant. You go to the World Series. Hockey has its own playoff system. Relatively short. So the NFL playoff system goes on for three weeks. Baseball's playoff system plus the World Series goes on for about three weeks. And here we are in the NBA where the playoffs last for about three months. And you wonder why LeBron James is starting to look like this and we're into on the body? Of course LeBron James is getting old. He's made the finals. DC says seven. We'll get some verification on that. I don't really care because it's the NBA. (laughs) But when you add all those extra games up, think about it. The Charlotte Hornets are never making the playoffs. And LeBron makes it every year. And he plays a seven-game series just to get to another seven-game series, just to get to another seven-game series. Good God, when are we going to get into the finals? So, so GQ, my best opinion, so GQ, mm-hmm. what you're saying is everything in NBA would be a little more simpler and maybe better and more interesting if they just have a one-and-done game. Is that what you're saying? I think the NBA playoffs, I'm glad you asked me that question. The NBA playoffs are too long. The NBA season is too long. 82 games are too long, man. 182 games in baseball is too long. I should join the competition committees for some of these leagues, and this is why. If you take the NBA season and shorten it from 82 games, let's say to about 50 or 60, the games mean more, players' careers are longer because they haven't played as much, the games matter. How many times have you turned on a game expecting to see some stars and they were sitting on the bench? Why? Because they were resting because the season's too long. Okay, but the thing is, you got to remember. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but this this is also what you got to think of, too. How is that going to affect their money if they shorten the game? That's, That's you got to keep in mind, too. This is another reason why the NFL is better than baseball. This is another reason why the NFL is better than basketball. Because they have to have these long series. Now, keep in mind, the first round of the NBA playoffs used to be a best-of-five-game series. What if the playoffs, the entire playoff system, even if you kept it as long as it is, was just a best-of-five? Three out of five, you advance. Not four out of seven. You get a whole lot better product in those five games. Why? Because the games now mean more. If the season's shorter, the games now mean more. But the seasons have to be longer. You know why? because it's the NBA, and it'll never be the NFL. Now, entertainment-wise, definitely not money-wise. 
the the NBA man, this is a fact. The NBA loses money. Hand over fist every year, and they it definitely lose money when certain teams aren't relevant. You remember about ten years ago, three of the greatest stars in the NBA ended up in Boston. Kind of looked like it was today. The West Coast was doing its thing. West, the basketball in the Western Conference was excellent. Eastern Conference, not so much. The NBA needs certain teams to be good, and it has to be their big cities. When the Lakers are bad, like they are now, and the Knicks are bad, like they are now, and Chicago isn't great, and Houston isn't great, the NBA loses money. You know why? Those are the four biggest cities in this country. They need their big cities to be successful. They need the Knicks to win, and they don't. They need the Lakers to be good all the time. And most times they are. Right now they're not. Houston is good, but Houston's not going to the finals and winning it. Chicago's decent, but they're not going to go to the finals and win it. When did the NBA thrive? Magic was with the Lakers. The Pistons were doing their thing. The Knicks had Patrick Ewing. Akeem Olajuwon was in Houston. It is not by accident. Now, keep in mind, now, the NBA used to be an animal where what used to happen was they had um, televised games that were pre-recorded. So they had televised games that were pre-recorded, and then when they did, what ended up happening was they would show you a game later that they had already recorded. It wasn't even live because they couldn't afford to play them live. What resurrected the NBA was when two guys showed up, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and look what happened. One was black, one was white. One ended up on the West Coast, one ended up on the East Coast. (laughs) One was from this blue-collar city, representing the blue-collar franchise in the Boston Celtics. On the West Coast, you had Showtime and the Lakers and the Lakers girls. (laughs) And the bright lights and everything. The NBA needs certain teams to be good. When they're not, it's floundering and, it, and, it, and it's terrible. One of the greatest teams in the history of the NFL is from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And the NFL's been fired. <laughs> That's another story for another show. But uh, we welcome uh, my man Trev to the broadcast as well. DC, me and Trev ain't cutting up. I, excuse me, Trail. Me and DC been cutting up. What you got for us, brother? How you doing? Uh, what's going on, fellas? What's going on? I am here. I am. Um, I heard just a little quee you just put on. I I must say I heard. Well, I heard a majority of it. Um, for one, the NFL is not better than the NBA. Um, well, that's my opinion. Uh, when you look at it, yes. Um, the NBA season is too long. I really do think 82 games are too long. But I feel as though it's the back and forth in the series that keeps everybody uh, interested. Yes, and I think for different sports, I think you do different things for different sports. You can't have a series for football because of the level of physicality that's involved in football. So if I'm going out here for three games back-to-back playing the same team and they can see my plays. And because really what football works off of 
It's systematic plays. Okay, this is the play we're running here. Da, 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 da. With basketball, one man can take over, and and you don't have to call plays for him. So I think with that, you know, you can't, you really can't compare the two because with football, you really can't have a series if you want to say. Um, I feel as though the NBA should. Uh, decrease the games because I think 82 is a long season and plus the playoffs, that is why you see so many injuries. Uh, that's why you see uh, Cavs looking like they're looking right now down 2-1 because you got they old. I mean, let's state what it is. Ron old. Uh, say what you want to say, but he's getting up there. He's 33. Um, Kevin Love, he's getting up there too. He's old. They tried to, that's why they did a whole overhaul this season to start with. You remember at the start of the season, they had Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, Jay Crowder, and all these people. And then by the trade deadline, they had a whole new roster of young talent because they realized they were old. So I think with that, you know, you have to understand that might be an issue. But when you talk about excitement and all of that, I listen, I do get excited for a football player. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I love the playoffs. I love the one-and-done situation. But I love the chess match of the NBA playoffs because this is – because what you have to understand is one game a team might come out on fire, and then the next game you want to see what the other team is going to do, what kind of adjustments they're going to make. If you're a chess player or you love strategy like I do, then you'll love to see the back and forth in basketball. So I really think that, you know, it's – you know, different strokes for different folks. Whatever you, whatever your preference is, is your preference. But, uh, you know, I don't think the NFL is better in any way, shape, or form. Trey, let me let me let me let me back you up. Let me back you up there. You said Come the on. chess match of you ch- said the chess match of basketball. I would like for you to tell me because I really don't know. I would like for you to tell our fellow storm audience what does a coach do in professional basketball? What what is what, what are they doing? Do the coaches the overall, determine who wins these games, or is it the players? Oh, uh, I think it's a combination of both. Because if so, you think Miami won? Is, Miami won a couple of championships because of Eric Spolster. No, <laughs> no, but I think. Well, I'm not gonna put it all on him. I think he has to do with it because uh, if we going back to that Eric Spolster situation, we can't put it on LeBron because LeBron was playing like garbage for some of those. It was. We got to remember, Ray Allen saved LeBron for for that for that last finals he won. If it wasn't for Ray Allen mm-hmm. getting that shot, LeBron wouldn't even be relevant. So the one thing we have to well, I ain't gonna say he wouldn't be relevant. Let me take that back. He wouldn't have that championship that he has hanging up right now. One of those championships wouldn't be there because Spurs supposed to beat him. So if you ask me, I think it's a combination of both. I think the coaches have it's the coach's job to put players in the right situations, and it's the player's job to execute what the coach puts. Now, this is where it makes a difference. If you have a star like LeBron and Kobe and da 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 or so on and so forth, they make it to where you don't have to call plays, and it just looks good. But a coach's overall job is to put you in the right position to be successful on the court. D.C., do I have your yes. permission to treat the witness as a hostile witness? You have my permission. Please get on him. Trail. Yeah. I'm approaching the bench for your cross-examination. Question okay. number one. If there is a combination of the two, 
How come no one in the general public knew who Eric Spolster was before he became LeBron's coach? How come Eric Spolster hasn't won a championship since LeBron James is gone with his infinite chess, chess uh, playing ability? Uh, let me, let me Where's the matter? Where's the matter? Okay. So you said why didn't people know who he was, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that was your first question, right? That's the first okay. question. Okay. The first, okay. The reason why people didn't know who he was is because he started as a videographer for the Miami Heat and then Pat mm-hmm. Riley groomed that position. But the one thing we have mm-hmm. to understand, everybody can't jump in the front seat and drive. You got to learn first, right? And mm-hmm. I, so now that he so said, happened, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so what happened was Eric Spolstra was brought up and he was mentored by Pat Riley. When Pat Riley felt like it was the right time, then he gave him the keys. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley also Pat Riley coached Patrick Ewing for a while. Why does he fail as a coach? Who Pat Riley? Pat Riley grew Pat Riley grew Patrick Ewing. He coached yes, him. He did. Magic he did. Johnson took over for the Lakers for a while. Pat Riley was his oh, coach uh, the entire time. Why didn't it work? <laughs> because it's not a chess match of coaches. It's the players that make the team. <laughs> No, no, the sir. Lakers no, stopped sir. being good. No, the Lakers stopped being good no. when Magic left, and they were bad until Kobe Bryant and Shaq showed up. <laughs> and then they got bad but once Kobe left. Miami is not good because of Eric Spolstra and because of chess matches. NBA coaches don't do anything. That's why you can replace them at will, and the teams can still be successful if they have certain players. <laughs> the Golden State okay. Warriors are not good because of Steve Kerr. <laughs> well, this is the difference. Go ahead. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If Greg Popovich wasn't in San Antonio right now, would they make the playoffs? Would that team I, right now make the playoffs? I would give you Greg Popovich because I think Greg Popovich is the exception to the rule and not the rule itself. Greg Popovich is a great basketball mind and a great coach. I would like to see him – I would like to see a lot more from him. I, I respect his mantle as a coach. But these – but coaches – are pretty much, they can come and go in the NBA, and, and every once in a while you get a great one. Um, yeah. Chuck Daly, I think, had a nice yeah. idea with yeah. the bad boys, but it just didn't, it couldn't, it couldn't translate to anything else and didn't sustain somewhere else. I think Greg Popovich is an excellent coach. I think, um, I think my Coach K is an excellent coach. As much as I pick on Roy Williams, I think Roy Williams is a decent coach. Not a great one, but a decent one. Yeah, and these the the reason the same teams keep winning in college basketball is the exact same reason because every once in a while you get a great coaches and these Kansases and these Kentuckys they have great coaches, but then you can still get great players that go to other universities and stuff like that and it may not work. To answer your question, yes, the Spurs win in part because of Greg Popovich, but Tim Duncan and David Robinson had a lot to do with that too, though. Yeah, but I'm saying. If he's not there to orchestrate it, I don't think they win. Because and and I got another exception to the rule. I think you gotta even though as a GM he sucked, but Phil Jackson, because you have to understand something. Before Phil got to Michael, Mike never won. Mike never won championships before Phil got there. Before Phil got to LA, the Lakers never won. So I think The Lakers the, right the Lakers won without Phil Jackson. <laughs> 
no, no, I'm saying. <laughs> the nigga, Kobe after, and Shaq didn't no, after, Yeah. So after Pat Riley left and there was no magic, they did not win. Kobe, when Kobe's rookie year was in 1996. And mm-hmm. they did not win. They did not win until I think Shaq came either a year or two after, and then Phil showed up and put the pieces together. But until Phil got there, but after Pat Riley left, they were not a winning organization. They went. To I the think court. to some I think your theory is right. I think you got it backwards though. It's because of what ended up happening was <laughs> you had players. It wasn't coaches had to learn. Players had to learn. Kobe had to come into his own. You have some situations where Jordan – now, Jordan did not win before Phil Jackson, but that is not completely because of Phil Jackson. It was because of the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons had Joe Dumars, and Joe Dumars was the only player in the NBA who could go one-on-one with Jordan, lock him up, and hold him to 20 points or so. The rest of the bad boys kind of beat him up a little bit, and once the bad boys got old because of all because of the three straight title runs that they tried to make and they ended up winning two, when the bad boys got old, oh, Chicago took over. So let me ask you a question. Are you telling me right now? So what I'm getting from you is that the triangle offense has nothing to do with what Kobe or Jordan did with their championships. Because it has a little bit to it has a little bit to do with it. But if you take the triangle offense away, do you, are you sitting there telling me that? Okay, this is what you're basically saying. Phil Jackson could have won without Jordan. Jordan couldn't have won without Phil Jackson. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, that is not what I'm saying. But I'm trying to get you to understand. Offense that made them what it helped them to get to to show their greatness. I'm not saying they wouldn't have been great, but it's that triangle offense that helped them show it. The triangle offense is what helped them go one on one and let you see how great they were. Now, yes, Kobe did do it without the triangle. He was, you know, in a in an offense without the triangle, and he he scored 81 points. But it was that triangle offense that brought stability to everything and helped him elevate himself to championship status. So the triangle offense, and Michael too. So the triangle offense had a piece to play in all of this. That's all I'm trying to get you to see. So when I said chess match, the triangle offense is a part of a chess match because if Phil Jackson don't help them get in the right spots in that triangle, it don't work. You see what happened when he tried to take it to New York with Melo? It was some garbage. It don't work. Because Melo doesn't right. pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Let me let me look at let me let, okay so let me okay let me get this straight now me and you are probably going to disagree about how much the triangle offense affected what ended up happening on the court but I will tell you this though you've given even if I give you the triangle offense okay you've given me one chess player I give you two with Greg Popovich why doesn't Mike D'Antoni's system work why isn't Eric Spoelstra winning without LeBron I mean why are there right no other chess players that we can think of. I mean, we can do it in football well, all day. But I uh, hold on now because you got to define. <laughs> because this is the one thing we have to define, I guess. We got to define mm-hmm. what what is ultimate definition of winning because if we define it on winning, then Mike D'Antoni's system, you know, is producing this season, and he had a two-time MVP in his system in Steve Nash. So mm-hmm. we got to define And he didn't win a championship. Yeah, I mean, that's because now hold on. That's because don't none of his teams play defense. We know that. Now listen, Dan Tony exactly. doesn't coach defense. Mike Dan Tony, Mike Dan Tony is the Andy Reid of the NBA. 
It looks real good. No, you got to put up a lot of points. It looks real good in the, in the regular season. When you get to the playoffs, it really doesn't matter because it wasn't that great anyway. He's really in that technically sound. He's really not an extras and old guy. He just had a good idea. He's going to put up a lot of points. He's going to win us about 55 to 60 games. And then we're going to get to the playoffs and we're going to get smoked. <laughs> this is all I'm saying. I'm not saying that they played a whole part in what happened. All I'm saying is – you got to give credit to some of those offensive people because if you don't, it, it'll be like they're out there playing street ball. You don't just play street ball in the league. Uh, most of the time. <laughs> you can't sit here and tell me these guys are where they play. You got oh, no, we're gonna go to said, probably, probably be a little more entertaining, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're way fast break. Hit the show up, 602-753-175. We went past the break. Old school bus. Guess what happened, man? We talked about Prince last night. Uh, most requested song on the bus tonight is a Prince record. Go ahead and play it.
old school bus man and the goats. We got another Prince song coming up a little later, man. We talked about Prince about last night, um, April twenty first of uh, yesterday. Actually, marked the two year anniversary of the day that we lost Prince, and he went on to heaven. Um, one of the greatest music minds in the history of our culture or any other Prince. Um, it's just amazing to listen to this man's music, even twenty years or so after that was created, man. So shout out to him. May he rest in heaven. Welcome back to Thunderstorm Sports. Uh, DC is in the building. GQ is in the building. My man Trail is in the building. And we're off and running, man. Uh, just in case you missed the first 35 minutes of the show, Trail believes the, that the Miami Heat won two championships, not because of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, but because of a head coach who used to be a videographer and that was groomed by Pat Riley. <laughs> That is that is not what I said. That is not what I said. No, sir. You would not have that fan man going crazy at me. What I said. So we can make this clear before anybody start writing. Like, look, I know my basketball people listen. What I am saying before y'all write up here and say, oh, my God, he's talking crazy. No, what I am saying is this. You have to give some credit to the chess piece that we call the coach. If they don't draw the plays up in crunch situations especially, sometimes it will not work. Now, yes, when you have star players such as LeBron and other people, uh, Kobe, who is my favorite player of all time, that's another story for another day, then, you know, sometimes you can, you can freelance. But in crunch situations when it's, you know, to the bottom of the bottom, hey, we need those plays. Because if we don't have them, then it'll be like LeBron was in that finals where Ray, where, where Ray Allen had to bail him out. He won't hit him. Yes. So, <clears throat> so you have to have a coach for that reason. <laughs> All right. Got you. Mm-hmm. We disagree thoroughly on that. I think coaches come and go, and they're interchangeable, and I don't really think they're doing much. You can watch an NBA game, and you watch coaches sometimes. Next time you watch an NBA game, just watch the coach, and it, sometimes it looks like they're just watching the game like you and I are. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's a, that's a subject we're actually going to get to. we got a lot to cover sports, and with a minute and – Actually, what 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 are we at now? Like an hour, and are we like where are we at now? We're out. We're we're forty five minutes officially into the broadcast, so about an hour and fifteen minutes left in the show. The show is flying by already, ladies and gentlemen. So um, most of y'all requested it. Uh, we hadn't had a chance to do it yet, but cue the time, boss. Don't ask us how. But one of the co-hosts has been a part of the thunderstorm that's never gone to the garden. Ladies and gentlemen, cue the music. Trail <laughs> is officially, for the first time, entering into the garden. Let's go. 20 questions, the thunderstorm way. Oh, Trail. Man. No one's safe. Not even the host. Question number one. Better childhood game. Is it Hungry Hungry Hippos or is it Operation? Uh, hungry Hungry Hippos. Hopscotch or Double Dutch? Neither. I wouldn't. I don't like either one of them. <laughs> All right. Vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream. Oh, vanilla. Coke, Pepsi. 
uh, Pepsi. Fish, chicken. <laughs> Definitely chicken. <laughs> Chris, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Mike. Michael Jackson all day long. Mary J. Blige or Beyonce? Beyonce. Beyonce's caught up a little bit. She's now 112 behind Mary J. Blige. Luxury vehicle or SUV? SUV. I'm trying to save my money. Outcast, Outcast, or UGK? Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh. I'm going to go Outcast. Park or Biggie? Hold on, what was that one? Tupac or Biggie? Ooh, now see. Uh, Biggie. Eric Spolstra or Pat Riley? Pat <laughs> 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 uh, Riley. NBA or the NFL? NBA. Who wins if these two go at it for real? Civil War is being replayed all over again. Iron Man or Captain America? Uh, Captain America. Batman versus Superman Part 2? Who you got? Superman. So in the championship, you going with Captain America or you going with Superman? Uh, Superman. Most important quality in a woman besides her love for God? Um, communication. We jumping around with you right now. What you listening to? Um, the new J. Cole. Netflix or the Redbox? Netflix. Writing the article or seeing it published, which one is more rewarding? Uh, writing it. All right, I'm giving you your dream job right now. You going on TV or you going on radio? Well, put me on radio. Three minutes into it, 20 questions done. Trail is officially inducted and baptized into the Thunderstorm, the Thunderstorm family. He's already part of the family. This just makes it official. Three minutes time, he completes the gauntlet. Ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause. Woo! Nope. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate it And the standing ovation goes off Standing ovation Matter of fact, we doing all the sound effects Drop the bomb on them too, drop the bomb on them <laughs> <laughs> Alright ladies and gentlemen, we back And it's time to give out the Petty Wop Award um, The DJs have apparently lost my background music For the Petty Wop Award music So bear with us, we're just going to play the music To the gauntlet again <laughs> DJs, cue the music for the garlic. It's time to give out the Petty Wop Award. And ladies and gentlemen, there have been 43 episodes of Thunderstorm Sports. We're back. So is the Petty Wop Award. And it goes to you people in purple from the state of Minneapolis, Actually, from the city of Minneapolis in the state of Minnesota. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a game, and it was called the NFC Championship game. And in that game, 
those purple people got a little excited. They got a little cocky. Why? Because they won on the fluke play against a team that should have been in the NFC Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the New Orleans Saints. That fluke play took them to the NFC title game. And while most of the world thought the Minnesota Vikings were going to win, I, as an Eagles fan, finally resigned my fact after arguing all the reasons why they couldn't. I finally resigned myself to the fact that, doggone it, we're going to the Super Bowl. Why? Because it's those cursed Vikings. Once upon a time, the Vikings used to play football outside. It was cold. Teams hated to go there. And though they never got over the hump and won a championship, Minnesota was dominant. They showed up for those outdoor games. They won. They got to a couple Super Bowls. Only problem was they kept running them teams that were better than they were. But no one could deny the fact that Minnesota was a proud proud franchise with proud people. Then they built a dome. I think it was called the Metrodome. What happened since? They get to the NFC Championship game, and they lose. One time they were 15-1, and and they lost to an Atlanta Falcons team. They were the better team. They lost anyway. One time they got to an NFC Championship game with Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss. They went outdoors. They played the New York Giants. And what happened? They lost. They were like 41 to nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Vikings are cursed. And no one understands that better than Minnesota Vikings fans, but it's also a fact that they know and don't want to admit to. They actually thought they were a shoe-in to get to the Super Bowl. And those of us that actually pay attention to football laugh. (laughs) 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 Minnesota in the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter how good they look during the course of the season. Doesn't matter how good they look in the regular season. We know Minnesota will find a way to screw it up. You know why? Ever since they went indoors, they were cursed and they became soft. They played eight games of a 16-game season in a dome. Actually, nine games because they have to travel to Detroit. So nine of their 16 games are played indoors. What has happened historically when we see NFL teams go Outside in the playoffs and have to win They don't do it The only time they get to the Super Bowl is when they're hosting That's how New Orleans got there, remember? Minnesota's fans Became overly arrogant because of a fluke play They came to Philadelphia They actually had the audacity To go to the Philadelphia Museum of Art And do the skull chant in front of the Rocky statue (laughs) What happened on game day? They were smoked by the score of 38-7, and they had to watch my beloved Philadelphia Eagles go to their home stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, and win the Super Bowl at their house. The only thing that would have made this story perfect is if we thought we were going to get what we thought we were going to get, we actually got. We thought a couple of weeks ago the opening game of the NFL season in 2018 would be Minnesota traveling to Philadelphia to watch Philadelphia hang the, the banner now in their stadium. We were robbed of that by the NFL. Shame on you, NFL. They gave us Atlanta versus Philadelphia instead. We didn't want Atlanta. We wanted Minnesota. You know why? Because ever since they've lost, they've had their butts on their shoulders. They've accused us of being mean to them when we came to our stadium. (laughs) 
They said we were mean. We threatened them <laughs> and told Jeff about their team. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they talked about our women said they were ugly. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a sports writer. Once upon a time, I wrote a story about Purdue basketball. It was entitled, Purdue Basketball is Overrated. Get over it already. And the world went bananas. To this day, it's probably still one of the most successful stories I've ever written. You know why? I was helped there by the help of Purdue fans and graduates of Purdue University. You know the only people that got mad when I sat there and said Purdue basketball was overrated? You know who they all were? Purdue fans and people who graduated from Purdue University. <laughs> I got called the N-word. I got called out of my name. People shared the story. They tagged people in the story. They reintroduced the story to more and more people, which made for a nice paycheck for me. Thank you, by the way, Purdue, Indiana. <laughs> Anytime you want to call me the N-word and share my work, you go right ahead. You know why? Because it doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. It matters that I made you so impassioned that you cared. You know what that means? I won the argument anyway. Minnesota, oh my gosh, people in Philly are mean. <laughs> oh my gosh, they talk junk to us. Shut up. Take the L. Get over it already. The Petty Wap Award goes to the Minnesota Vikings, their sad fans, their sad stadium, and their sad history. Congratulations, you win the Petty Wap Award. I'm done. <laughs> Fellas, any, any comments? <laughs> Hold on. So, so this is what you, this is what you're gonna do. You're just gonna embarrass the people on the field and on live radio, and leave it at that. that that's what we do. The only the, when the NFL schedule came out, the first thing I looked at was the first game of the season. And when I saw Minnesota was no longer coming to Philadelphia, we had Atlanta. I threw the challenge flag. No, we don't want Atlanta. We want Minnesota again. <laughs> they came to our city. They did the skull chant in front of Rocky. They got beat 38-7. to We went to their stadium, won the Super Bowl. You know they actually thought they were going to be the first team in history to host the Super Bowl and play in it? <laughs> Nobody believed that except people from Minnesota. <laughs> Now, hold on now. You GQ. knew Minnesota was going to screw it up. Go ahead. GQ, hold on now. Wait a minute now. There have been plenty of times when we didn't talk sidebar, and even though you have admitted it, I had to tell you multiple times you were not losing to Minnesota. And what you kept saying, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I said, really? Now, people, this is, this is what our listeners need to hear. DC was mm-hmm. the one who told GQ his boys were going to the Super Bowl. And I am a Steelers fan. I believe in his boys. I had to hype him back up, people. This is true. I'm out. I love GQ. I love GQ still. And he admitted it, but I had, I had to, I had to let him know why he getting on Minnesota so hard. He was, he was scared of him. And that's all I'm gonna say. Tag me if so I can get him real fast. Tag me. Let me, let me. You tag me, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, listen, sir, Mister BC. This is the problem. As a fan, as a diehard fan, because I went through this with my Ravens, okay? When we are in that's your problem. That's your problem now. You're a Ravens fan. But go oh, ahead. Okay, you can cut that out right now. That's what you can do. You can just stop that. All right, we can pause that right there. But 
as a true diehard fan, when you're in those situations and your team look like they could be something, you don't want to say it out your mouth because you don't want to be the one to jinx it. I'm not, like, I wouldn't want to run around here talking about my team going to do this, my team going to do that, and then we don't do it. Then I got to sit there and look stupid, come back and say, well, bro, I thought we were going to do it. I thought it was going to happen. No. So what you do as a real diehard fan, you keep your mouth closed and you say, I don't know. Why? Because you just – now, in your heart, you feel like they can do it. You might have you probably know they can do it. But at that time, you don't want to hear it out of your own mouth. You don't. You will never hear a diehard fan when they team are on a run say, oh, we're going to do this. Because you don't want to be the one to jinx it and then mess the whole thing up. You know, that's part of it, too, and I totally, I totally agree with you. There's one more part to it, too. As fans and me being somebody who actually has been blessed by God to cover the team that I grew up cheering for my entire life, we know these teams better than everybody else knows them, and we see weaknesses in our own teams before everybody else does. When Philadelphia was on this winning streak, I kept looking like it's something missing, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they can sustain this. I don't know if they're peaking too early, but you just kept looking like, I don't see it yet. And then when Atlanta comes in and you, you, you're sitting there, it comes up again. Carson Wentz goes down. Uh, Nick Foles actually looked good in the game at New York in the Meadowlands against the Giants, um, but he looked bad, really bad against the Raiders. And he looked bad against the Dallas Cowboys before he was pulled out of the game. So you have a week off, but you're sitting there thinking to yourself, yo, Atlanta looked real good against the Rams last week, man. The last three times I saw my team, man, they looked terrible. But then they find a way to beat the, the, the Rams, although it's only like 15 to 10. But then we have the benefit again of looking at like at, 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 at uh, divisional round games. And I'm sitting here saying to myself when I'm watching the divisional game, you know what? That defense don't really look as good as everybody kept saying it was. Yo, if it's not, well, they actually beat Drew Brees on a flute play, man. And you're sitting here looking at all this stuff, and then you remember, oh, my God, I forgot. It's the Minnesota Vikings, and they have to play the championship game outdoors. <laughs> I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> it's like an evolution of emotions throughout the course of the season, man. It's it's, it's hard to explain, but – and you know what I'm talking about because you and I, like you said, uh, D.C., you and I have had these conversations about the Steelers, man. Like, when you love your team, you see things everybody else just can't see, man. And I'll be the first to admit, I'll tell you there's some flaws in my team. I, I'll be the first to say it. But done it, if we in the playoffs, but if we in the playoffs, I'm going to sell you a dream. I'm going to let you know we're going for ring number seven, eight, nine, ten. You don't care about my skills when we in the playoffs. I don't care. I get hyped about my team. I love my team. Even though I see the holes, I ain't going to let you know. But if we lose, yeah, this one, we got a point. Hey, hey, we, got a point. we lost. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, that's it. Next year. I'm a and I can tell you right now, I see all your holes, and you want me to be honest. I see them. Hold on. Right. First, hold on. First of all, get your holes filled before you come talk about my holes. Let's let's do that first. It'll be all right. Don't worry about my season. You just, you just worry about two times a season who you got to come and see. That's what you worry about. Hold on. Did we not beat you twice last year? Did we not run the division? Did we not go to the playoffs? Uh, what was we? What see was we? What see were we? Huh? Okay. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. Uh, uh, hush mouth, exactly. This is why I'm good with Ravens fans, man. And for two, See? y'all beat us by a point. One point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a 
to win. I don't care what it is. Look, if I go to the Super Bowl and I win by a field goal, I don't, I don't care. That is a win. That is a dub in my book. Put it down. We out. For the listeners, this is, this is what happens when you get D.C. involved and students in NFL. You get this side. Usually I'm quiet, but Trey had to talk about the Raiders, so I had to come in here. So forgive me for my little rant. That's just how I do. <laughs> what you say to people to forgive you for? We already know. You're linebacking court. Y'all one more season away from the old folks' home. With Joe Flacco, he pushing almost 40. What you talking about, man? You know I mean? Come on, I, man. I, and, and he's still I, a better quarterback I, than Ben. I mean, Ben going after this season anyway. He didn't even know if he wanted to come back. Hold on. Watch your mouth now. Watch your mouth about my quarterback. Now, see. GQ, <laughs> I need you to take that over for, for me and him. <laughs> GQ, get show back together for me and him. Go at it. But let me ask you this, though. But let me let, let me ask you this though. I mean, um, what is your honest opinion though of Mike Tomlin? Yeah, that's a good question. What is your honest opinion? Yeah, I want to know that too. I'll be quiet. Woo! My honest opinion, I like Tomlin. I really do. Oh God. I feel like I feel like he he's a good coach. But honestly, I I I, I think I might need me a white coach again. Call me biased, call me racist, call me whatever. No, I feel you like <laughs> I really like need a white coach again. I need me another Dick LeBeau. I need me another. I just need all all my old white coaches back. I need the old white man. Tommy not doing. It. He's getting out coached by everybody. It's terrible. It's horrible, and it pains me to say it, and it pains me even more to watch it. So. That's just how I feel. Same question for you, Trail. What's Trail? Your honest opinion, man. Honest assessment. Leave leave the the, the Ravens bias out of it and everything. You look at Mike Tomlin. You see him consistently get out coached on the sideline, or do you get him see, see him get out coached on the sideline? When you look at Mike Tomlin, what are you seeing as a Ravens fan? Um, as a Ravens fan, and this this is strictly unbiased. Um, I think he does get out coached, and he gets out coached at the wrong times. I feel like. He's a great regular season coach. Um, I feel like if you need him to get you, you know, that pretty record, you know, that's just like having a, a nice car and the, the engine messed up. <laughs> um, it, it it really won't matter. So if you're asking me, my honest assessment of him, I feel like he's a great regular season coach. But when it comes playoff time, uh, I feel like either things have happened. Either his voice has gotten old in the locker room and they tired of, you know, going by that same monster or, you know, the little slogans that he has. Or he may have lost it as a coach. He may, you know, it, it may be time for him to step back, but something has to happen. If they don't so, at least make a playoff run this season, I think it's time to, you know, make changes. So what you're saying is he's no Bill. That's what you're saying. I, I'll jump in there. I um I really – and that's kind of why I was wondering, man, like Bill Cowher had the love of his players, but he also had the respect of his players. When I look at, when I look at Tomlin, I don't see anything that resembles respect from his players. Like they, they go on Facebook live in the locker room after important wins and the guys are snickering and making faces. Ben Roethlisberger, who was normally pretty quiet and respectful. This is a guy who came in the league and was called Dan Marino, Mr. Marino. 
And this is a guy who came in the league and was virtually silent when there was um, when when he was under the, the watch of Bill Cowher. When Mike Tomlin takes over, he inherits a Super Bowl winning roster. He inherits Troy Polamalu. He inherits Joy Porter, and he inherits Ben Roethlisberger. He inherits all these these great Steelers who will, who will go down in the history as some of the greatest Steelers of all time. And the further and further away that that team gets, even though Cowher could only get over the hump twice and get to the Super Bowl and win it once, those teams with Pittsburgh were excellent under Cowher's watch. And I only remember like one losing season under Bill Cowher. I think that was the last one he was getting ready to leave anyway. But they consistently had a winning record. They consistently were excellent. They consistently were classy. They did things the right way. The players respected their coach. And the further and further away that this team gets from Bill Cowher, it seems like they've strayed away from that. And 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 the the one thing I disagree with what you're saying, though, Trail, is when Pittsburgh hires a coach, they hire a coach. When they when they hire one, he's there forever. They've only had three coaches in their history. <laughs> Thank you. So regardless of what happens, I think they're stuck with Mike Tomlin. But if I see this dude show up with a better team and lose again, man, I'm going to flip my wig, man. It, it never looks like his teams are prepared. And they got good in the second half of the Jacksonville game, but they didn't look prepared in the first game. This is the team that came in and picked off Ben, it seemed like, 35 times. This is the team that came into your stadium and drug you all over the field. You had a week off to prepare for this team, and then you come in flat? <laughs> don't, don't, remind me. I don't, don't, under- don't remind me. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And I don't want to be like Terry, Terry Bradshaw and say that Tomlin's basically just a glorified cheerleader, but he just doesn't strike me as an X's and O's guy. That's just my opinion. Uh, I'm going to put it like, and I ain't even being funny when I say this, but you know the funny part of this? When you said he wasn't an X and O's guy, you remember, I don't know if anybody remember it, but if y'all do, y'all tell me. Remember when we were playing, it was the Baltimore uh, Steelers game. And Jacoby Jones was running down the sideline. And who was the one that ran out there and tripped Jacoby Jones? he tried Jones? to trip the guy. Yeah. That was just so, embarrassing, man. So, listen. <laughs> that, that showed me, like, that's that's the irony in this whole situation. We're talking about him not being an ex and old guy. And then you go out there and you try to trip people, like, I think that just sums it up for you, man. You see it. That kind of behavior right there tells you he's not an X's and O's guy. Because if you got the audacity to run onto the field when you were on the sideline and try to trip a man that's running down the sideline, mind his own business. Well, hold on, Hold on, He went on the field. He went on the field. He was still on the sideline. What, what was crazy about it, though, Trail? What was crazy about it, though, Trail, was he didn't actually run on the field. He tried to look like he didn't see the guy coming, and he tried to act exactly. like he had no idea what he was doing, and tried to act like he was jumping out of the way. That was the most embarrassing part of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, that close to me? I didn't know that. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be that close to the field. Wow. So it was amazing, right man. It was amazing. That's that's a prime example of being unprepared. Just like he wasn't prepared for Jacoby Jones to run down that sideline was the same way he don't have his team prepared. That that right there shows you right there. He 
he's not a guy that prepares well, and that's that's what they're gonna have to go through until they you know build up the courage to get rid of him. Because to be this honest, is something. but I think they're gonna have to you know continue to deal with that because he's just not a good uh, postseason coach. I definitely go with that. I definitely go with that. Yeah. Now, um, this is something I came up with that's uh, that's pretty interesting, guys. I actually was talking a little bit today on the ITI, um, and thank you to everybody who tunes in and uh, has bookmarked the page and all those things that you do to stay in tune with what we're doing, all those people that reach out to us on Twitter. Um, I was talking today about how valuable are the Philadelphia Eagles um, really. And it brought me across uh, something that I saw from Forbes right before the season started. And what Forbes did was they put the, together a list of the most valuable franchises in the NFL currently. And this is what, this is what they came up with. Um, and I'm reading straight from Forbes magazine, and this is Kurt with a difficult last name to pronounce. I think his name is Badenhausen. <laughs> so the average NFL team is now worth 2.5. $2.52 billion, 8% more than a year ago. Underpinning the increase in value are the new stadiums for the Atlanta Falcons, the Oakland Raiders, relocation to Las Vegas, and the expectation that the NFL will soon be signing more lucrative deals with Verizon for streaming and with broadcasters for Thursday Night Football. Revenues and operating income, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization are for the 2016 season and net sum and a net of stadium debt services. Debt includes stadium debt recourse to teams or entities controlled by the team's owner. So when we went through the list, we found out the number 32 and the least valuable team in the NFL is the Buffalo Bills. Now, they're worth $1.6 billion, but they're the least valuable team in the NFL. I think a lot of that is because of the fact they're from Buffalo, and it's a small town anyway. They don't have, like, the TV – they don't have the TV uh, avenues that New York has, per se. Um, they don't actually have a lot of the a lot to do, like uh, Los Angeles. It's really just a small city. They just happen to have a football team. So Buffalo Bills, number 32. At number 31, you have the Detroit Lions, who are worth $1.7 billion. That takes us to, let's see what we got here. That takes us to the 30th most valuable team, which is the Cincinnati Bengals, estimated at $1.8 billion. 29, we have the team that was created by the same owner, the Cleveland Browns, $1.95 billion. Moving on down the list, at number 28, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, current value $1.975 billion. So imagine you can be worth a billion dollars and be ranked 30th in anything. That's just my thing. The New Orleans Saints, <laughs> 27th at $2 billion. At number 26, we have – give me one second here. I'm looking through the list as we're talking. So at number 26, we got the Tennessee Titans, $2 billion. It, it really is blowing my mind right now that somebody can be worth over $2 billion and be ranked 25th. Jacksonville Jaguars, who don't even have a million followers on Twitter, by the way, are $2.075 billion. That takes us to the number 24 ranked team. This one kind of shocked me a little bit. The Kansas City Chiefs are the 24th most valuable franchise in sports at $2.1 billion. 
At number 23, the Arizona Cardinals at $2.15 billion. At number 22, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. That's another one that surprised me, $2.275 billion. This is from a team that has been around forever, started in San Diego, and now in the second largest city in this country. I think their value will increase when they get out of that soccer city and they're playing in, and they move into this, this huge extravaganza that they're building for the Los Angeles sports teams. Um, I think they're going to have the NFL network there. They're going to start doing the combine there. So once they're able to finish that stadium, uh, uh, Stan Kroenke with the uh, L.A. Rams is building it, and um, it'll play home to two NFL franchises, and I think that will increase the value quite a bit. The number 21-ranked franchise in terms of value is a team from right up the road who doesn't have an owner, the Carolina Panthers, $2.3 billion. Frankly, the way Charlotte runs itself and with all the mess they got going on, it wouldn't surprise me if Carolina left Charlotte one day, but that's another show for another time. <laughs> At number 20, the Indianapolis Colts, $2.375 billion. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty now, fellas. This one also surprised me. The 19th most valuable team is the Oakland Raiders. I thought they would be a little bit higher. Uh, some of that is probably attributable to that stadium that they play in that's falling apart the fact that they still play in Oakland, and the fact that this team is getting further and further away from Al Davis. And the way Al Davis deteriorated in his later years, somebody actually says that's a good thing. The 18th ranked team in terms of value is the winners of the Penny Waffle Award, ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Vikings at $2.4 billion. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to number 17, the Seattle Seahawks, point. Four two five billion. Anybody want to take a guess? We're getting down to the top sixteen guys. Anybody want to take a guess in what number sixteen is? I would like if to say my he's right now. Who already said it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Excellent guess. Two point four five billion. A one year increase of nine percent. Um, an operating income of one hundred and two million. And a lot of that based on the fact is uh, based on what Forbes is saying, a lot of that based on the fact that they have won six Super Bowls in their history. The Atlanta Falcons, I thought would be higher because they play in Atlanta. Uh, they're owned by the guy who uh, gave us Home Depot, and they just built an extravaganza of a stadium. If you ain't mentioned the Mercedes-Benz Superdome yet, make sure you go. $2.475 billion. And you, we may actually get a chance, fellas, because I think they're hosting the Super Bowl next year. A 16% increase from a year ago, and that is partially because they moved into the $1.5 billion Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the 2017 season. Top 14, we moved down to the Baltimore Ravens, current value $2.5 billion. Number 13, who we got? I don't know about y'all, but I enjoy stuff like this. Oh, yeah, because let me see how much they're making. This is too. This is actually, I think, I thought this one was a little higher than I thought it would be. Um, the Green Bay Packers, two point five five billion. Wow, this, no, that don't from, this from a, this. Now it is the Green Bay Packers. Now you you got to think it's the Packers. They and they, they they you know they were helped out a lot by having both Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. But this is Green Bay, Wisconsin, and they don't have an owner and all this other stuff. But they're ranked at number thirteen. Um. Yeah, operating income of $91 million, 
and the Packers have won an NFL record 13 championships during their storied history. Number 12. This is probably where I would have put them if I didn't know anything about this stuff. Miami Dolphins, $2.575 billion, an operating income of $65 million. The Dolphins' $500 million renovation of Hard Rock Stadium, which is owned by the team, by the way, reduced total seating capacity by 10000 but added new premium seats 25, closer, 25 feet closer to the field and living room boxes that go for more than $2,000 a game. Just hit me. I got to get down to Miami to see a football game at some point. When I went, it was still Pro Players Stadium for a Monday night game against the Eagles. Number 11, the Denver Broncos, $2.6 billion, an operating income of $81 billion. And number 10, kind of what I was thinking anyway, number 10 is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, see what it says here about Philly. What's happened? Did I freeze up? Give me one second here. Got the Philadelphia Eagles at number 10 at an estimated $2.65 billion. Um, the Eagles have one of the NFL's most passionate fan bases with more than 40,000 accounts on season ticket, on the season ticket waiting list, and a renewal rate on season tickets that have averaged 99.7 in recent years. So, Everybody that already has season tickets is renewing every year, and they have a waiting list of over 40,000 people waiting to get season tickets. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Wow. New York Jets, $2.75 billion, an operating income of $92 billion. They come in at number nine. We have hit the top ten. Let me see here. Technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen, technical difficulties. We are working through it. Let me see here. At number eight, right about where I would have put them, the Houston Texans, $2.8 billion. Um, And Robert McNair, the owner of the Texans, who put his foot in his mouth so eloquently earlier in the season, has paid off about $500 million of the debt he took on to buy the Texans in 1999 in the first place. And $500 million of that debt that he's paid off looks like it puts him ahead of schedule where they thought he would be in paying that debt back. The Chicago Bears' current value is $2.85 billion. They're the number 17 on this list. We have the L.A. Rams. This one makes sense to me. And maybe that explains the Chargers thing. This is the team that's actually owned by Stan Kroenke. Uh, Stan Kroenke's done a lot for the NFL. He's building the new extravaganza of a stadium for Los Angeles. And, it, again, will host the NFL Network. The Rams are valued currently. Now, these numbers, again, were prior to the 2017 season, but it kind of gives us an accurate looking of where they might be currently. Um, $3 million is where they're valued. If Trail's like me, and I know he is, he's already written out who's already been on the list, and he already knows who the top five are. But the San Francisco 49ers coming at number five. We have at number four the Washington Redskins. $3.1 billion. That would make sense. Very, very wealthy owner. He just doesn't know anything about football. True. Mm-hmm. Which has been their problem. If anybody's going to try to pay to get their team better, it's going to be Dan Snyder, even if he spends money in the wrong places. At number three, the New York Giants, 
worth an estimated $3.3 billion, which means we already know who the number two are. And I probably thought this was inverted, but it does make sense when you think about it. Number two, guess who? The Devils. Who? The Dallas Cowboys. Patriots. I actually thought that I, I actually thought the Dallas Cowboys would be number two and the Patriots would be number one. It's actually inverted. The Patriots are valued now at three point seven billion. Um Wow. They have an annual operating income of two hundred and forty seven million. A lot of that is attributable to the microwave fan base that they've accumulated over the last fifteen years. Nobody was a Patriots fan before Tom Brady and before Bill Belichick. Now you can't go anywhere without seeing one. Um, Thank you. And when they won Super Bowl 51, Patriots merchandise increased by more than 50% over what it had done the previous year. Also, you can add to the fact that uh, of that is the fact that Tom Brady, um, as was, was told to us by NFL, the NFL Players Association and their, their sales listings, Tom Brady has the highest grossing selling jersey in the NFL, and that's the second time in three years that's happened. And that's the fifth time that's happened during Tom Brady's career. The only other person that's done that is, here's a trivia question for you, the only other person to have led the league in jersey sales five times. Guess who it is? Uh, can we get position? You going to tell me a position? Well, you know he's a quarterback. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Dan Marino. No. Uh... He's actually active. It's an active one, like right now. Yeah. Oh man, that threw me all the way off. Cause yeah. Um, uh. Hold on. Ho ho ho. You said right now, right? Aaron yep. Rodgers. No. That. Cam. No. Not Cam either. Believe it or not, the only other player to lead the the only other player to lead the league in jersey sales five times, Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. Oh wow. my gosh. I never knew he that. was he wasn't even he was nowhere on my list. I mean Me neither. It's him. It's him. So I thought that was interesting. There you have it. We have the um we have the the most valuable franchises from 32 to number one, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Makes sense. Love them or hate them. Football ain't football without the Dallas Cowboys. I hate the Dallas Cowboys, and I have my whole life. Actually, the Dallas Cowboys and the Clemson Tigers are how I figured out what hate was. <laughs> but <laughs> I will tell you what it is, though, man. If the Dallas Cowboys picked up tomorrow and Jerry Jones says, I'm moving the Cowboys out of Dallas, football is not the same, man. And I, I say that, I hate say that despite the fact that I hate them. And that actually brings me back to a comment that was made by Trail that we said we were going to revisit, and we will on the other side of the old school bus. But, uh, just hold on for that here in a second, because uh, also too, well, I, we, what we got to do is we got to get into the um, the NFL draft is coming up. We hadn't talked about the draft at all, fellas. We got about thirty thirty five minutes left in the broadcast. And I definitely want to get some draft stuff in. I want to get what you guys think about the five highest rated quarterbacks going into this draft and where you think they might go. 
But before we do that, crank up the old school bus. One more by Prince. This is when he left the revolution alone, created the New Power Generation, and then gave his new band a theme song, New Power Generation on the old school bus.
old school bus. We riding the old school bus on Lazy Sunday all day, just paying tribute to the man known as Prince. A guy took the revolution, one of the greatest rock bands ever thought of, fired them, then created a new one, the New Power Generation, and wrote a song about it and told you it was going to be great. Who does that? <laughs> we are the New Power Generation. We want to change the world. The only thing that's in our way is you. Your own fashion music, your own ideas. We sick and tired of you telling us what to do. Only Prince. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the thunder. You've heard the lightning, um, which is kind of dumb. I mean, you heard the lightning sound effect. You really can't hear lightning because lightning has no sound. But you heard the thunder <laughs> and the lightning sound effect. <laughs> Welcome back to Thunderstorm Sports, ladies and gentlemen. One hour and 30 minutes, 90 minutes officially in the books now. We're in the home stretch now. We're coming down the edge. We've crossed third base. We've headed down the last 90 feet to home. Hopefully we won't be thrown out of home. But um, from the Thunderstorm mailbag, fellas, I got a big one here. Sometimes we get some crazy emails. Sometimes we get some real brilliant ones. And Mike from Green Bay, Wisconsin, got to throw you in the genius category, brother. And thank you for listening to Thunderstorm Sports because it sounds like you've been a fan for quite some time. GQ, listening to your argument with uh, the fellas, don't you think it's time to do a Why Football is Better Than Basketball episode number two? Mike, I think that's an excellent idea. I think that's a great idea. I know. I now oh, yeah. fish officially. I did a show, um, fellas, um, not too long ago, probably about a year ago. Why football is better than basketball, and I think it's time we go ahead and revisit that subject. So that's coming up. But not, while we're on the subject, let me say a couple of quick things. The last time we had this conversation, um, and Trail so eloquently argued why he thought basketball was better. You know, that's the, that's what's great about brotherhood, man. We can disagree, we can move on, but. Um, Trail, as brilliant as he is, one of the most brilliant minds I know, was wrong two times tonight on Thunderstone Sports, ladies and gentlemen. Three, if you count the Miami Heat one because of very exposure. <laughs> but we're going to throw that one out. <laughs> now, he was wrong during the gauntlet. Now, uh, the gauntlet is just 20 questions. It's a lightning round. Your opinion, what do you think is better? He was definitely wrong on question number six when he said Michael Jackson was better than Prince. And he's wrong when he says basketball is better than football. This is why. I can at great length describe, and I have done this before, and we'll do this again next time we do an episode. Why is football better than basketball? I'll give you several reasons. No one cares about anything more than football. Don't believe me? Look at Nielsen and ratings. I'm a sports writer. I look at analytics all the time. I'm also a Christian hip-hop artist. I look at analytics all the time. I want to know who's buying. As the host of this radio show, I see where my listeners are. I look at their age groups. I look at when they tune in. How many of them tune out? What time they're tuning in? A lot of that helps me to put together better shows. So I love analytics and I love statistics. That's why I'm so good at fantasy football. One of the greatest tools we have to gauge interest is listen ratings. Do you realize that more people would tune in to watch the NFL draft, more people would tune in to watch a preseason football game that doesn't count than would tune in to watch the World Series or the NBA Finals. That is not me making that up. That is a fact. The Pittsburgh Steelers play a preseason game close to 5 million viewers. It's hard to get 5 million viewers at a TV set to watch the Finals. And if there's teams playing that we don't care about, it gets worse. 
Did you see the numbers when the Lakers played the Indiana Pacers? And the Lakers were even in it. Another reason. Sports benefits when there are great rivalries. Michigan hates Ohio State. The Yankees hate the Red Sox. It fuels the rivalry. It fuels the sports. Notre Dame can't stand Southern Cal. In the NFL, rivalries are prevalent all over the places, and some of your teams have three or four rivalries. The Steelers can't hate the, the Steelers can't stand the Browns. They can't stand the Ravens. They can't stand the Bengals. The Eagles can't stand the the Redskins. They can't stand the Giants. They can't stand the Cowboys. Everybody hates the Cowboys. The Cowboys have about nine rivals. The Steelers can't stand them. The 49ers can't stand them. The Redskins can't stand them. Atlanta, even even if you get into regional battles, Atlanta versus New Orleans, people care. You know why? Because even though you never paid attention to Atlanta and New Orleans, it mattered when those two teams played together. Live in the state of South Carolina and bring up South Carolina and Clemson. You might live in New York. You may not know anything about that. But ask somebody from South Carolina how important South Carolina versus Clemson is. Rivalries fuel sports. The NBA doesn't have one. Actually, they do. They have one, the Lakers and the Celtics. Who's Milwaukee's rival? Who does the the Orlando Magic gear up to beat every single year? You don't know. You know why? Because you don't care. (laughs) Who's Miami Heat's rival? Who did the Pistons hate? Now, back in the 90s, the Pistons hated the Bulls, but that faded out. I'll get to that in a second. Rivalries fuel sports. And you know why football is so great? Because the Kansas City Chiefs have to beat the Oakland Raiders. Because the Cleveland Browns could go 2-14, and 14, but if they beat the Steelers twice, it was worth every minute of the season. Michigan and Ohio State had something called a 10-year war where two coaches who were friends didn't even talk to each other. There's a passion that comes along with football that does not exist in basketball. The only rivalry in professional basketball is the Lakers and the Celtics. And for most of their history, they've never been good at the same time. Kind of killed the rivalry. Take out the era of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. What else do you have? Maybe like one playoff series about five or ten years ago? Another reason football is better than basketball, money. Now, I know that sounds all about because a lot of people sit here and they talk about, well, you know, you know, it's, there's a business, and I hate when sports becomes a business. But money is important to sports. And we just showed you the revenue machine that is the NFL. 32 teams are all valued over a billion dollars. And the 32nd ranked team is worth over a billion dollars. How many billion-dollar franchises do you have in the NBA? Uh, Don't worry, I'll wait. (laughs) Football is better because people care. Football is better because we spend our money on things we care about. NFL jerseys outsell basketball jerseys. Let's go to the Super Bowl. You know why the Super Bowl is so important? The Super Bowl is being – there's an argument that's brewing and has been brewing for a while. Holidays in this country all come around the same time every year. And holidays in this country are centralized around certain things. Thanksgiving is a holiday. Christmas is a holiday. Christmas is always on December 25th. The Super Bowl is always the first Sunday in February. And they're arguing in this country everything that – 
is a part of its culture constitutes a holiday. There's one time a year when people get together and they celebrate with food. It's called Thanksgiving. The biggest gathering of family and friends and social events after, this, after Thanksgiving is not even Christmas. It's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> More people buy food, TVs, and everything on Super Bowl Sunday. When was the last time you had to go get a TV or invite somebody over because the files were on? <laughs> You've never done it. The NFL has teams we care about. You know why the NFL continues to kick basketball's booty every single year? Because you're not even a fan of a team. I like the Sixers. And you know what? If the Sixers are winning, great. If the Sixers are not winning, well, let's see what the Eagles are doing. (laughs) Baseball. The Patriots aren't even the most popular team in that city. The Red Sox are. The Celtics are a distant second. The Red Sox are always on the front page of the paper. NFL will always be better than basketball because for as long as you and I live, the Redskins will hate the Dallas Cowboys. And they've hated the Dallas Cowboys before you and I were alive. And 100 years after we did, if God hasn't come back yet, the Redskins will still hate the Cowboys and it will still matter when those two teams play regardless of what the record is. Football is the only sport that you can watch two teams you don't care anything about play on Sunday night football. When was the last time you geared up to watch the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic? <laughs> when was the last time they made that the game of the week? One of the NFL's biggest money-making teams is from Green Bay, Wisconsin. You can't do that in the NBA. The Jets and the Giants can be terrible at the same time, and the NFL will still make $350 billion in a year. You can't do that in the NBA. Ladies and gentlemen, the defense rests. I've proven it once again. Football is better than basketball. Trail, I wait your response. <laughs> mm. I mean, I'm going to shut the I'm going to shut the I mean, listen, that's the end of the day. My opinion is <laughs> that basketball is better than football. I just, I love both sports, don't get me wrong, but I I really enjoy the back and forth that you get in football, I mean, in basketball. I don't think you get that. Yeah. And, Football, because like you said, one game you're done. So, I guess for me, like I like I tell you, I like you're talking about the back and forth. In, you're talking about the back and forth in the playoffs, right? Yeah, like that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. For, yeah, like you know, the the playoff system for me is better. Now, the only thing that I would say is that I would love to see them lower the games because I feel like then you would get a better product because when you lower the games, that means the players don't have to play as much. They can be a lot fresher for when they play uh, the marquee games, which is, you know, why you see a lot of coaches resting players nowadays because their players be so so burned out from having to play a back-to-back and traveling from city to city. So I think that'll give them a better product. And then that's a time where we really need to revisit this whole argument because I feel like the reason why, you know, your football is better than your basketball is, is a big part of it is when it's time for the marquee players to play in football, 
they can play because you know because of the spacing. Now the only I think scheduling problem the NFL has is some teams might have to play on a Sunday and turn right around and play on a Thursday. But when you're talking basketball, that's something that happens on the regular. So I would what I would like to see happen is they change the you know the the number of games in basketball, and we we re, we revisit this whole argument because I think that one of the main reasons why people would choose football over basketball is because when it comes down to seeing your mark your marquee player, you you pretty much can bet on it that you're gonna see them on a week to week basis if they don't go out there and you know extremely hurt their hurt, hurt themselves. But I think with basketball, that's a risk because on any given night, you can hurt yourself. So I really feel like after we, you know, get the the scheduling under control, then this is an argument that I would love to go back and forth with you about because, you know, I just feel like there is some great qualities that you miss. This is this is, and I, I definitely respect your opinion. That's some good stuff from you there. This is one thing that I, um I failed to mention. I got to point out here real quick. Football was always about the shield. It was always about the team. It was about the name on the front of the jersey, not on the name on the back of the jersey. Yeah, Tony, Tony Dorsett went to the Dallas Cowboys, but he played for the Dallas Cowboys. Roger Starback played for the Dallas Cowboys. The two leagues went two different directions on one thing. The football said it was all about the shield. Basketball made it all about the individual, and they made certain players stars, and they still do that to this day. They hyped Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird. They hyped... Um, they hype LeBron James versus Steph Curry and the Warriors. They hype Shaquille O'Neal versus Kobe Bryant, and they play on the same team. <laughs> the problem that basketball had was they wanted to make players stars. The problem with players is they do get hurt, and they do go away, and they do retire. So when Magic leaves the Lakers, I don't have to be a Lakers fan anymore. You created free agent fans in the National Basketball Association. So I like Cleveland when LeBron's there. Then when he leaves, probably not going to be a Cleveland fan anymore. I like Miami now. No, I forgot. No, I still like Cleveland. <laughs> now I can. I can. Randall Cunningham. I, Randall Cunningham is one of my favorite players in the history of the NFL because he showed black people can play the quarterback position, and that they giving them an offensive line, and they gave them some talent around him. That Philadelphia Eagles team probably would have been the first one to win a Super Bowl. And then certain things happen, like a fall came down on Chicago and all this other stuff, but I'm, I'm losing my point here. The thing about the Eagles was, when it was time for Reggie White to go to Green Bay, dang, how do we let Reggie White go? But I'm still around with my Eagles, though. When Randall Cunningham left, I had to watch him win in Minnesota and go 15-1. and I thought about what could have been. And I'm cheering for Minnesota because Randall's there, but I love Randall because Randall was an Eagle. When Randall left, I'm still an Eagles fan. I hated he went. I didn't think Rodney Pete was better, but I'm still an Eagles fan. I like John Gruden because he was our offense coordinator. I didn't want us to get Michael Vick. I said when we got Michael Vick, we'll never win a playoff game as long as Vick's the quarterback. That's another show for another time. (laughs) But (laughs) in spite of the fact I didn't see us winning with Vick, I said I'm riding with this dude and I'm riding with his team because these are my boys. And even though I hated Chip Kelly, and I hated those teams that Chip Kelly put together, they were not going to make me turn on the franchise. That's the loyalty that you have in football that exists. 
Steelers fans are going to be Steelers fans are going to be Steelers fans, and they're going to be Steelers fans whether it's Cowan or Tomlin, and they're going to be Steelers fans before Roethlisberger and after he's gone. You're loyal to players in basketball. To the fact that historic teams can move. The Seattle Supersonics have been around since I was a kid, and now they're in Oklahoma City? (laughs) We've made free agents out of teams and free agents out of fans. There needs to be a fan contract. You have to sign a contract to say, why am I a fan of this team? It's because we won championships. <laughs> I'm loyal to this team as long as we're winning championships. When that ends and we're no longer in the finals, I'm not going to cheer for Golden State anymore. You know why? Because you're not really a Golden State fan. You like the fact that they're winning, and you like Steph Curry. And when Steph leaves, the Golden State fans will leave too. Look how long it took us to find Chicago Bulls fans after Jordan left. That is the problem the NBA has. And the, one, the only other thing I would disagree with was I would sit here and say that the only problem the NFL has is it's so good on TV, we can't get people to go to the games anymore. I don't want to pay for parking and sit out in the cold when I can just watch it in crystal clear 1080p high definition or in 4K TV. <laughs> I just got to get my girl to cook something at the house. So, That's true. Um, Mike, Mike and, and Wisconsin said it. We're going to do it. Um, why football is better than basketball part two. That may not be the next episode because uh, we're coming up on 13 minutes left, fellas, and i got to get y'all's opinion on something. Um, I'm going to start with you, Trail. The five best quarterbacks in the NFL as ranked by Mike Mayock. We have – he ranks um, – let me see what he's got here. I think he's got Sam Donald still at number one. He got Sam at Josh one. At, Josh at two. Uh-huh. He got uh, – Josh Allen at three. I think he got so Baker's Baker number four. At four. And then he got gotcha. Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph tied for five, if I ain't mistaken. Okay. Cool stuff. Now, fellas, when I'm looking at the that? draft order here, uh, yeah, I can do it. Oh, that's how I think. Depend- I think depending on the day he inverts. Like, on Wednesday, he'll have, like, Allen ahead of Rosen, and then on Thursday, he'll put Rosen back on top. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, Rosen and Allen are number two and three. So the Cleveland Browns sit at number one, and I wrote an article about this a couple of weeks ago. There's a theory growing and a very, big, very serious rumor growing that the Cleveland Browns are not going to take Sam Donald. They're not going to take Josh Rosen. They want Josh Allen of Wyoming. I don't know why they're so high on Josh Allen of Wyoming. Probably something we can revisit in another show. But if the Cleveland Browns take Josh Allen at number one, the New York Giants sit there with the number two pick. Do they can they pass up on Sam Donald? What do you think, Trail? Yes, they can. And only because and only because of what I see sitting there. Matter of fact, uh when you got a player like Saquon Barkley sitting at at two. I'm not passing that up. That's a once in a lifetime type of player. And if you look at it, when you when we look at the running backs that's been taken over the past just the past three years or two, with Zeke, what he did when he turned the whole Dallas franchise around, and Leonard Fournette when he turned the whole Jacksonville uh, franchise around. As we can see, if you get 
the right piece in the right situation, it can turn a franchise around. I think with New York seeing that, they will be – and then we also have to remember something. Pat Sh- uh, Schottenheimer, I think his name is, or Sherman, Pat Sherman. Pat Sherman. Uh, head coach. Yeah, Pat Sherman, the one they got coming in, you know he's supposed to be like some quarterback whisperer. The one thing we understand about quarterback whispers is they feel like they can do something with any quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like they feel like just because it didn't work with this coach, that don't mean it won't work with me. So I feel like with him having that mindset and them being able to do what they do, I think they'll pass on uh, a quarterback and they'll take Saquon uh, number two. That's my opinion. What you think, DC? They go on um, if if the Cleveland Browns take Josh Allen at number one. Um, well, let me ask you this, too. Number one, should they take Josh Allen at number one? And number two, what do the Giants do if they do take him? Whew. Okay. First, let me answer the one about Cleveland. Do I feel like they need to pick up Allen in the first round? No. Because everybody always knows it's, it's even in fantasy football. You never go for a quarterback first. You never do. You do defense, running back, or whatever, but you do not do quarterback first. But as me knowing the Browns, they probably will. So it's a no. But they would have to take the quarterback the first, though, right? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? But but everybody takes the quarterback first, though, right? Normally, we normally yeah. have quarterbacks as the top pick. And that's Sam Donald might go number one. Listen, I, oh, yeah. I, I disagree with you there, D.C. I think you got to take a quarterback. It's just the one you want to pick. If you ask me, I say no, they don't take Allen, but they sure should look at Don, uh, Donald. Because when you look at it, this franchise, they ain't had a good quarterback in never. So, ever. when you've never had a great quarterback, when you, like. Well, there was Otto Graham know, back in the 60s. Otto Graham. Vinny uh, Testaverde was okay. <laughs> I don't know. He, he was all, yeah, he was all right. But when you look at it, this franchise has never had a franchise quarterback that they can actually build around. And I feel like if they don't get it here, this is the best opportunity they're going to get for some years to come. This is a prime example. You have the first and the fourth pick. You have an opportunity to get it right. They they have mm-hmm. to choose a quarterback with this top pick. If they don't choose it with the first pick, they definitely have to choose it with the fourth. You in the top five with Two first round picks. You have to choose a quarterback somewhere in there, and I would go first round with first uh, first pick with a quarterback. But it just depends on which one you want. Okay, now let's let's let DC finish though. Like so, DC, you're saying they don't don't take a quarterback. What you think they do with one, and then what do the Giants do after that? Like I said, um, do I feel like the the Giants need to take a quarterback? No, because it's like Trey said, they have this guy coming in who's supposed 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 to be this. Big quarterback whisperer. So I mean, just see how that works with him. And and plus, I mean, it's Eli Manning. He's known for beating the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. So who knows? It's football. Anything can happen. That's my opinion. You know what I think, guys? I I honestly think Sam Donald or Josh Rosen need to go number one. Like everybody's general consensus now, Sam Donald is the best quarterback in this draft. So. It looks like the Browns are deciding once again that they're going to screw up the franchise again. I don't know how Josh Allen's going to work out. But if they pass on Sam Donald and Sam Donald works out again and they pass it on another franchise guy, how many times has this happened? But for all intents and purposes, we got about five, six minutes left in the show. Dang, it flew by. 
But for all intents and purposes, they're saying that the Cleveland Browns are going with Josh Allen at number one, which means, in my opinion, if you're the New York Giants, Eli's getting old. If Sam Donald is there at number two, you have to take Sam Donald. And one of the reasons they're going to do it is because it's New York. And guess who picks number three? The Jets. The Giants are not going to give Sam Donald to the Jets and let the Jets take over. That's, that's a rivalry that they have in New York that nobody talks about, but it's also about winning the headlines. And you can't give the headlines to the little brother Jets and give them Sam Donald because we're keeping the old Eli Manning and we don't want to hurt his feelings. I think if the Browns take Allen, I think Donald has to go number two to the Giants. And then I think the Jets somewhere – it sounds like the Jets, from what we're hearing, are interested in Baker Mayfield. That has yet to be determined, but we'll all find out Thursday. Um, Cleveland, part of the plan they also say is if they take Allen at number one, Bradley Chubb is probably still going to be available at number four, and at number four they're going to take Bradley Chubb because now they got somebody on the other side of Miles Garrett that they can build around on defense forever, and you got these two great pass rushers. Uh, it gets real scary in Cleveland. Um, I agree with y'all. I think Saquon Barkley is an amazing talent, but I don't see taking him at number one or number two just for the fact that we've learned so many times in football that you have to have a franchise quarterback to win, which is why the Patriots keep getting back every single year, and you can pick up great running backs. As great as he is, you can pick up great running backs later on in the draft. You can get a great running back in, like, round three, four, five, six. So, that's just me. But uh, I'm going to leave it up to you guys. We got about two minutes left. Final thoughts? Uh, any final thoughts, Trail? Uh, nah, man. Just, hey, this is great for me. I hope we I hope we can touch on some more of this stuff, man. I, I really love talking about this stuff, man. It was great for me to talk about it. So that's my closing thought, man. What you got, DC? I'm just ready for football season. <laughs> I, think half the, I think half the world is. I think half the world is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, fellas, uh, I, I told you it could happen, and it did. We polled all the way up to the start of the show. Prince did it. He knocked off the champ. He knocked off the queen of soap. <laughs> Diamonds and Pearls is yeah. now the winner and the champion of yeah. the old school bus, and yeah. we got to find somebody to yeah. go against the king yeah. now. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we ride out, crank up the old school bus. Diamonds and Pearls is Prince, the champion. Next time on the Thunderstorm on Friday with Doc Honeycutt, we'll have a challenger. Yeah.